Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. I'm your host. Am I loud now? Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Um, if you are in the middle of the holiday season listening to this, happy holidays. We hope you are having fun and are enjoying yourselves and eating far too much food and spending time with your dogs and having fun so today now this may get a little bit serious but we're going to have a laugh as well um I am talking to a trainer that I've been friends with for a very very long time um she's a hoops world instructor she's also a very very fabulous dog trainer um Tasha, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. You? Yeah, I'm all right, babe. Um, for people that don't know who you are, who are you? <laughs> I'm Tasha. I run Maggie's Dog Training and Favourite Services in Lincolnshire. Um, and like Carrie said, I'm a Chewy instructor and assessor, and uh, I'm with Canine Rally with Helen Ball and. Um, just loads and loads of stuff. So it might be easier to just go to my Facebook page, which is Miyagi's Dog Training and Behaviour Services, or my website, which is www.mutsmischief.com. And it's all there. And I'll put all of that in the show notes so people will be able to find all that. So don't worry, it'll be yeah, in the show cool. notes. So let's start with the dogs you have at home, because I think that's a good starting point. Because now I have a creature and he is affectionately referred to as a house wolf, but you technically have house wolves. I do, yeah. I've got three uh, <laughs> Czechoslovakian wolf dogs. <laughs> uh, there's Coda, she's the oldest, and then Django and Zombie. So for people that don't know, um, wolf dogs are not like 50% wolf. Like the percentage in wolf in them is low because here's the thing, people, getting a wolf as a pet, not a thing don't do it it's silly okay um Czechoslovakian wolf dogs um it's got a bit of shepherd in there as well hasn't it yeah there was originally crossed with a shepherd in the 1950s why so it's a well <laughs> because that? <laughs> the German it. shepherd was originally bred in 1901 1899 to 1901 mm-hmm. and the better than the German Shepherd because because the German Shepherd was bred so heavily because so many people wanted the traits of the Shepherd mm-hmm. what was happening was there was being bred very poorly and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know this and I'm only just like mm-hmm. history, so don't shoot me uh, in Germany and Russia they had dog wardens but not as we know them in England so they would go around different litters and they would call the puppies that like they felt wouldn't bring any traits to the breed sort of thing okay uh, Russia felt that they met an end point for the German Shepherd and they felt like there wasn't again any further with the German Shepherd. So it was like, well, what can we do to improve a German Shepherd? So it was like, okay, so let's breed a German Shepherd for a wolf, a Carpathian wolf. Um, and then the first litter that they had was just like too much like the wolf. They couldn't handle them, couldn't touch them. It was like way too much. And then those puppies they bred again to a German shepherd so essentially they, they diluted them straight away because then, they realized that having something that was 50% wolf was just silly and yeah. like not the best plan 
absolutely yeah so by the time we finished with the breed and made the breed what they wanted it to be the soldiers then found out that the Czechoslovakian wolf dog was a huge wasp got major sound sensitivities and there's only good scent work so after creating this <laughs> frog dog just had to use them for scent work and they had to sack them off as like protection dogs because if you offer a bite sleeve to most wolf dogs, they'll go, oh, I can't do that. And they are a very, very sensitive breed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of bitchiness and there's a lot, like, a lot of arguments among the wolf dog community. Well, of course there is. It's a dog community. Like. Exactly, exactly. And wolf dogs shouldn't be shy, this, that, and the other. But in my experience with the Czechs I know, they are a very aloof dog. They don't want to... Like reactivity for wolf dog is very different from a typical dog. So a typical dog might go in and it'll bite, shake, and do the whole like prey. Sequence. It'll work through the motor pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But then with your wolf dog, like I've shown videos of zombie and my dogs, they'll stand back or hide behind me. Zombies even jumped on my lap before. They like they are a very nervous wolf dog and i've worked with other tech wolf dogs that have had the same problem from different litters and they are a very nervous dog um and breeders have even outcrossed into like malamutes and uh northern inuits to try and get like uh more courageous traits in them sort of thing mm-hmm. essentially they are what they are and you can't film wolves in the wild unless it's from a helicopter because they are such a nervous animal. So when Americans say like wolves come into towns and they destroy things on purpose like fox, they actually don't. They go into towns because they're starving. Mm. They take whatever they can take and then they leave again. But you'll never hear of a true story where a wolf has attacked a human in the wild. It yeah. just would happen because they flee first. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> just a little that, bit I mean, the thing is though, we know that wolves are an apex predator but one of the reasons why they are so good is because they don't want to come near people like the reintroduction of wolves into yellowstone we won't get into it but if if you don't know about this guys like there's documentaries about it and the impact on the environment for the for the good of the planet like the positive environmental impact of reintroducing an apex predator that was correct for that area, e.g. they brought wolves back in, has helped everything in the surrounding area because the elk and stuff are being, their numbers are being kept naturally lower, you know, so they're not impacting on food sources for smaller animals. And it's kind of brought back that whole circle of life without sounding all like Lion King. You do need an apex predator in the thing. Unfortunately, humans are ridiculous and we've always we've all been brought up that wolves are scary you know who's afraid of the big bad wolf we were all singing that song when we were like three so from a young age we have been conditioned that wolves are scary but in fact wolves are scared yeah which is very different very very different and i i mean I understand that from the physical point of view, like the the look of a wolf dog, whether it's a Czech wolf dog like you've got or a Tamascan, very pretty, beautiful looking creatures. 
Inuits are kind of similar as well. They've got that kind of wolfish look about them. But you also need to be breeding dogs that are going to be good pets if they are going to pet homes. And would you say that getting a wolf dog should be on people's like top list of things to do in 2022? <laughs> Natasha's shaking her head like, no, don't do it. Stupid. Says no, the girl with three of them. <laughs> there's too many people. There's like, there's too many people with wolf dogs who don't know what they're doing. And in foreign, you see the words stubborn or spiteful. And what you've got to realise, and other trainers who like my dogs pretended their workshop to realise very, very quickly, is that once a wolf dog has observed the pattern of what you want them to do, they'll do it themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't need a human like ability. It's okay, so you've taught me how to use the equipment and condition to it. I've got it off and yeah they'll literally go around by themselves they don't need the handler um even though mine are very velcro like but when they're enjoying themselves they'll just go off and do it mm -hmm. and lots of people don't want that they want a dog like my spaniel diesel you do have to show him step by step and then we have to go back a little bit because it's all a bit too much and then you go forwards again and that's what people do want they want a dog that's reliant on them they don't want a wolf dog who is independent, aloof, and unable to handle, like, the real world sort of thing. Because so. the thing is as well, like, this aloof, you see it in a lot of breeds. And um, I actually was reading a thing the other day um, online. It was an article about should we be breeding for that trait of dogs being aloof? And actually, majority of dogs need to fit into the human world and actually them being aloof with people can get them into trouble um so it's not necessarily a trait we kind of should or want to breed from i mean with your guys what what made you get into the whole wolf dog thing because i mean i'm not gonna lie they're freaking stunning but <laughs> so is dodge yeah. and look at the trouble i'm in now <laughs> Um, so ever since I was a kid, I wanted a German Shepherd. It was a German Shepherd, hands down, and I needed one so badly. And then, of course, like being an adult, and I had a difficult upbringing in any way, like being in care and stuff. So I couldn't just go out and get a dog immediately. So I was up about a dog for a long time um, because I had to work three jobs just to pay the rent for a tiny little flat and it was ridiculous and there's no place to bring up a dog so when I ended up working at the dog kennels um my boss used to import pregnant bitches from Poland that were champion bloodlines it was ridiculous and then he offered for me to have a pup and I was like Ugh. and you know because at the time I was in and I was a helper mm -hmm. and it was a big deal and I wanted a champion bloodline German Shepherd but sadly because the way that he was doing it was just ridiculous and I was very young uh, the pup, there was one puppy and he was born stillborn and this is some viewers might want to tune out for like 30 seconds but okay 30 seconds guys if you if you're of delicate disposition just skip 30 seconds right tell the story okay cool so um yes yeah, so i went into the kennels in the morning and she'd had the puppy at like 11 o'clock at night they put him in the kennel bin so in the 
kennel kitchen where you prep dog food, they put him in the bin. There was no burial. There's no sort of like anything nice or how it should be. So of course wow. I had massive PTSD. So did I heck as like want to have a German Shepherd after this because it took me a long time to get through it. So even though I never met him, held him, anything like that, I was very attached to the bitch. And it's a lot when you're sensitive and you're obsessed with dogs, seeing a puppy in the bin. It was traumatic. Like, I can't even explain it. Some people might think that's daft, but to me, it was just a really big, mm. it really affected me anyway. Um, if, if people want to carry on skipping a minute, so from having a litter myself and having a stillborn puppy, that was horrendous. We had two puppies that were fine, and then one was stillborn, and it was really traumatic and it was awful. And it was awful for the bitch as well. And for for them to just move it and do what they did, just well, it, it just speaks volumes of the sort of attachment they had to to the dogs, really, doesn't it? But anyway, let's fast forward to the nicer stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so then because of German Shepherds that I was working for, like the more and more that I was going to seminars with Shotson and they got German Shepherds, the more and more that I started to see that. German shepherds weren't very like frost was say what you want as a German shepherd owner I will fully agree (laughs) with anything you're about to say I can guarantee it (laughs) okay so cross was doing a military service with the hips that was my main thing I didn't want to get a dog I intended as a sports dog to be spending its life in and out of a vet so it wasn't (laughs) a problem having a dog like I'm quite happy having special needs dog but to at the time to get a dog for Shutson that I wanted to trial mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing at the time it was like you can't get a dog that's going to be collapsing or it's got dysplasia at a very young age mm-hmm. and also the reactivity so then I was torn between Mallys because we also had Mallys at the kennel but being a self-employed dog trainer and using your dog as a demo dog Without sounding horrible to Mali owners, a lot of Malis that you get, you're not guaranteed to get a nice fluffy Mali who's sociable and wants to be around other dogs. And for some dog owners, a small Mali who's like got their teeth out is going to be very, very scary. And there's no guarantees with any puppy that you get. But I've met one Mali called Kendo, who is absolutely pathetic, imported from Belgium. But pathetic in the most adorable way. I adored this dog. I wish Broken. That, yeah, <laughs> I wish I was in a setting where I could have had him and brought him, but instead he got sold to an old gentleman because all the malice would be going crazy and the German shepherds looked at the kennel doors. Mm-hmm. And he'd walk past Kendo and he'd be sunbathing, literally on his back, legs in the air, just yeah, tongue yeah, yeah. to side. Um, but the thing is, though, the shepherds, whether it's Dutch, Belgium, German, they are intense. They are oh, yeah. very intense. They're like they are not for the faint hearted. And I know people are like, oh, well, you know, and I know some absolutely cracking Mallies that are beautiful. And I also know some that have not got the best temperaments or the safest temperaments, you know, and. The thing is, we have to remember that these dogs are bred to be suspicious of new people. Yeah. Because that's 
the guardian, as much as back in the day they were a herding breed and they're in the pastoral group, we have kind of spent a lot of years as people going, right, these dogs are really good at guarding and protecting, so let's get them to do that. Which is cool, but what it means is, as I said in the episode with Rob the other week, um, shepherds find biting reinforcing. Exactly, exactly. So um, fast forwarding then, so didn't get a shepherd, didn't get a Mally, because no, no one needs that in their world. <laughs> no. So I quit the kennels because it was so horrific. And if you want to hear about the kennels, just like go to Wary Wolfers Club on YouTube. Don't even know. We don't need to go into that skip it it's a lovely day yeah. we're listening to a lovely podcast people don't need to look at the bad exactly. shit carry on the story so i was like what dog aren't pet dog owners afraid of because i did i do did see myself separate to pet dog owners because of being in Trutson. and that was kind of like how my career in dog training started mm-hmm. so i was like spaniels and labradors people like them and i'm lincolnshire where it's very rural so i ended up getting diesel and Diesel's perfect and he's everything that you want in a dog. Doesn't need a lead. Does everything that you want him to do. And he's just got a lovely temperament. Everyone wants him. So, yeah, he's just lovely. So after that, I was, my health started declining. And then I was like, I really still wanted German Shepherd. I mostly worked with German Shepherds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still friends with the wolf dog breeders that I'd been speaking to after the puppy um so they kept putting up dogs and then texting me saying like we've got a nine month old come back in do you want to adopt it because we trust you we know you like you you've come to us quite a lot you've handled the wolf dog it's like i'm not in the right building to have a wolf dog at the moment it just won't be fair to a wolf dog and then once i'd moved i was like and then my house like fine i was like i want a wolf dog because my house like declining and I don't know how fast it's going to decline. I want a wolf dog. Mm-hmm. So I was in the hospital and I was fed up and I was depressed and just miserable. And I texted a breeder. <laughs> I was just like, can you please let me know when you have a litter boo this year? Because I really want to get a puppy. I feel like five years of waiting is enough. Mm-hmm. And then Leon texts back and he says, actually, we had a litter yesterday. Do you want to come <laughs> and see them? Conveniently. So in eight weeks' time, if you would like to get the puppy, it's yeah. here. Amazing. Yeah, so I was like, fuck this, I'm discharging myself. Uh, and I said, right, I'll be there tomorrow. I'll come and meet puppies tomorrow. So I did. And I met the puppies, and there was like five boys, two girls, and I wanted a girl. Um, so it was either a choice between Coda and a white girl. And Coda was really, really dark. And Grace said, dark puppies don't sell. And I was like, I'll have a dark one. Doesn't matter. I don't care about puppy testing. I just want a wolf dog. And it, you know, that's all I wanted. Um, and then every two weeks after that, I kept going to meet her and see her, and we were bonding and everything. And see, that's it. So I'm just going to jump in quickly. So that's amazing. I mean, obviously, most people won't get to meet the puppy when it's literally two days old. But if you are finding a good breeder, and this is something I bang on about all the time, like they often want you to come and meet puppy and meet the rest of the litter and work out if you're going to be the right match for that, po- for that particular puppy. 
before you rock up and take puppy home, you know, meeting up with someone in a car park and being given an eight, 10, 12 week old puppy is not a thing, people. Don't do it, please. No. Run over, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 you're completely right. It was wrong the way that I went about it because technically, being a professional, I should have temperament tested before deciding on a puppy. Yeah, but mate, the thing is, right, you can temperament test the puppies all day long, but that doesn't guarantee what you're going to get as an adult dog you know roughly what you're going to get but exactly from someone that has bred their own litter and kept one of the puppies like i knew this thing was going to be sassy but you're lucky she only five kilos that's all we're saying exactly exactly this is what people's got to realize so i've worked with lots of clients who had puppy temperament testing and they got the wrong dog and it didn't suit them and it was miserable and they got a teenager on their hands that they couldn't handle and code worked out perfectly for me and sadly it turned out that her sister was extremely reactive she got abused by the owners and she's now back with the breeders where she'll be forever because mm-hmm. of what she's been through and stuff so it's just ridiculous um, because this is the other thing isn't it unfortunately a lot of people that take on the wolf dogs have this mindset of they need firm handling and you need to be dominant right first of all everyone knows dominant is like a swear word to me and I hate it but they are not wolves the percentage of wolf in there is so minuscule that and it's not like homeopathy it's not the more you dilute it the stronger it gets it doesn't work like that you're diluting it so yeah it's gone from being like pure orange juice to flavored water. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So basically, you've only got you've just got the only dogs on the planet that are wolf dog uh, are wolf descendants. That's basically what you've got. Mm-hmm. So all your other dogs aren't actually wolf descendants because the canid lupus is extinct. Wolf dogs are a technical descendant of the wolf from the 1950s. That's a human experiment that we did. Um, and I didn't get a wolf dog for the status or ego or anything like that because I knew it's going to be a really hard dog. I just loved the breed and I needed to move past the German Shepherd experience, and that's what I got. And Cody kicked my ass, and she's a horrible puppy. And then 12 months hit, and she was, and how was adolescence? Was that fun? Oh my god. Like, literally, from being a puppy, she kicked my butt, and I took her to work with me and also so we technically should have had the most amazing button no she was a teenager from the word go and we went to pets home after we picked her up and got a collar and even in that photo she had the most sassy pissed off face <laughs> just uh, i'm not happy <laughs> and then as a teenager it was just uh <laughs> you don't exist what does a rabbit buy and literally everything with being a teenager like people whinge about teenagers and I have all the sympathy in the world but nobody nobody's had the experience that I had um and like we lived above a pub in the flat and it's a huge flat so it's more like a bungalow mm-hmm. and there's a car park and she found this dead pigeon and then the next thing trying to get in a car She's got all of this dead pigeon. She's parading around the car park and everyone finds it absolutely hilarious. And I'm just like, yeah, we've trained for this. Drop it. 
Um, <laughs> but then 12 months hit, and then she's like, I love you, and I'll have cuddles now, and I'm adorable. Mm-hmm. And this complete shock from don't touch me and being like a cat to then suddenly, I love you, I want to cuddle, I'm going to get on your lap. Okay. Because that's how I ended up with Django, because like, suddenly fell in love with Wolf Dog. And actually, she wasn't too bad. And we'll try a boy this time. I was going to say, what made you go for a boy the second time? Because she's a bitch, <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> because it just, it always interests me. Because I say, like, after having the creature, I always say, like, I don't know if I'd have another boy now. I just find girls easier. <laughs> and then I hear stories like this, and I'm like, but are they? Or is it just my girls are easier? <laughs> It might be yours because in my even my experience at the kennels, bitches are so much harder than boys. Um, and Django, who was completely right, like so we got him everything, all these videos on YouTube. I love you, and I'll do everything that you want me to do, and I'm just an amazing puppy. And he has been, and he's a goofball, and he's funny, and he pulls the most stupid, ridiculous things, and he's absolutely adorable. And then. That was supposed to be it. So it was just going to have three dogs, two wolf dogs and diesel. supposed to be. And I then... See. But to be... And, and we'll just say as well. So that's two wolf dogs and a spaniel. Do yeah. you understand what you're telling the world right now? Do you understand how insane you sound with this? Just saying. Just saying. Hopefully people realise. <laughs> Hopefully. There's a reason you're a dog trainer, Tash. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I want another one. Jamie won't let me. I, I'm going to say I'm concurring with Jamie a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> when did I get sensible? Oh my God. <laughs> so then six months later after Django, um, I get a text from Leon. Do you know of anybody who you trust with all of your heart to take on a puppy? Um, we've had a puppy returned. And he's got double dew claws, which is putting people off from having him because of the aesthetic. And I just lost it. And I was like, what? Ooh. Yeah, exactly. I was just okay, like, this so is some breeds like deliberately have double dew. Mastins come to mind because they're meant to be able to go across mountains and hard terrain. They have double dew claws. Some dogs are just born with them. Like, who cares? Your dog's high sixing instead of high fiving. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's only two in his litter, um, and apparently he'd been returned. And at this age, he was 15 weeks old, and he'd been returned. And I was just like, wow. So I did reach out to a friend who I trusted, but she wasn't in a position to have one, even though she really wanted one, mm-hmm. and she wanted one for a long time. So then the next thing, Jamie spoke to Leon, and then Jamie has said, right, we're going to see Grace and Leon. And I'm like, why? And he says, oh, we're going around for a meal and because you're bringing that puppy home. And I was like, what? I was like, we have not, like, done anything to prep for a puppy or... So anyway, we just went and then we met him and he wanted to have nothing to do with us. Absolutely nothing for, like, two hours. And he was just sitting there and waiting and waiting. And he was just a terrified little dude. So whatever he'd been through, he was just really scared. Um... And Grace and Leon said, like, he had big attachments to the adult dogs and he'd been, like, with the adult dogs and he was fine with them. Um, but it was like, you know, he needs a home because being with a bunch of adult wolf dogs obviously isn't appropriate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Leo's having personal problems because uh, Leon had had major surgery on his face and like. So he the, wasn't in the situation to be having a popsicle. No. Yeah, and he was just trying to do the right thing, so I totally respect him for it. And you know, we got room. So we took Zombie on and then quickly realised how damaged Zombie was. Like, he's got serious issues, bless him. Um, and until recently, we didn't know what was going on. So obviously, I'm massive on vet checks and I'm like, different behaviour, vet check, odd behaviour, vet check. And vets kept saying, there's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong. And I was like, there is something wrong with this puppy. He's mm. not right. Um, because, you know, I've got two of the others. I've worked with other wolf dogs and Zombie was just odd from the word go. Really loving with us, but then other people, other dogs come there and he has a meltdown and he does have a full-on panic attack and he chuffs out the side of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And if he was a human, he would be literally breathing in and out like a That human almost animal. hyperventilate him. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He He gets traumatized so fast and then hyperventilate um and it can be the friendliest sweetest dog in the world and one example was the friendliest sweetest staffy an old girl she couldn't say hello she saw you scared of like two meters she backed off and he had a complete meltdown he just literally couldn't get, she didn't do anything wrong mm. she just came up say hello and then she bugged it off but he had a meltdown and each meltdown lasts about 15 minutes wow yeah, so I'm talking to everybody in my circle, everyone, all the behaviorists, other wolf dog owners, talking to as many people as I possibly can. Nobody's got any answers. Um, then the next thing, I then write a chiropractor in, because that's what I recommend to a client. And then she said, it seems as though he's absorbed another puppy. So with there only being two pups in a litter, which is very, very strange, the wolf dogs because obviously they have big litters mm-hmm. he said these aren't double dew claws these are actually toes he has extra toes and then his spine was all out of like place because she said it is fused to it like you know another puppy sort of thing and lots of his bones are fused so it could be that he's an after die and on the outside a boy and on the inside a girl but wow. until we have yeah until we have him neutered, we won't know. <laughs> and we don't want to just get him neutered whilst he's so like this mm-hmm. and put him through that trauma just to find out for the sake of it whether he is actually an hermaphrodite. Um, I mean, what's he like? I'm assuming the vets and stuff is just way too stressful for him and having like a, like a scan done isn't really an option for him. No, no, anything like that is just way too stressful. Like, even having friends around the house that he's known since puppy, he still has, like, these bits where I need to take myself off into another room and I need to have time to myself and decompress. And he will literally walk up to the bedroom door and he's chosen that room as his safe place. And he wants to go into the bedroom and have the door shut and have time alone. So we have the TV on in there for him. And raising zombie is completely different to raising any dog on the planet. Mm -hmm. He won't go out for a walk until night. It has to be dark. (laughs) So thank God the dark nights are here. But that's really interesting because a lot of dogs don't like going out at night. They find going out in the dark really stressful. So that's 
but then I guess the cover of night is safer yeah yeah he's really okay. odd and quirky I love him to bits I've been told to put him to sleep because of his issues but I don't see why he should be put to sleep for part of being neurodivergent you know because you don't put autistic people to sleep you won't put me to sleep so <laughs> I just don't see so if if his needs are fulfilled and he is living life as best he can then no if he was in a situation where he was having these panic attacks every single day he wasn't able to function fully and it was and it was detrimental to his well-being then yes I do understand that thing but as a trainer you're equipped and also I'm sure that you know if his existence did decline then you would be having a conversation but if he can kind of live his life with his little family with his little safe space then yeah as you say like you know he he's a special needs dog why would yeah. we just go ah well you know just get rid of it exactly exactly if he didn't have any quality of life then absolutely i'm more for pay for euthanasia despite his age mm -hmm. but he does have a quality of life and he's a happy boy in the house and with management he's happy on his walks as long as he doesn't see other dogs and he's even getting better with that because like we've been going out quite a lot and he sees dogs at a distance and he knows he can stand behind me and that's okay mm -hmm. so we've put all these strategies in place to make his life better and zombie communicates far more than any other dog that i possibly know um and obviously he's got big issues with Django, so they're separated but we keep doing like control and leash games and map work and okay. all of that stuff. um but he just can't cope with Django. they used to play fight all the time and all of a sudden he was afraid of Django. so it is just a life of management but um is Django still entire as well yeah, but so they both there's a lot of testosterone bouncing around, which may not be helping the situation, but it's also not necessarily appropriate to neuter one or both dogs. Exactly. Yeah, it's a fine line because if we neuter Django, that could cause more issues. If we neuter them both at the same time, that could cause more issues. Or if we neuter zombie, that could cause more issues. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's really delicate tightrope of what the hell do we do mm -hmm. so they both had the implant that lasts for 12 months okay uh, yeah so to reduce testosterone Django's just got even more silly um whereas zombie is just still like I can look at Django which is huge like through the gate but then he can't actually interact with him and okay. because Django's loud and he wants everybody to know that he's doing training or he's getting fussed when Django starts vocalising, Zombie then starts recoiling even more into himself. Okay. But the way that we manage the situation, Zombie's really happy. So because Zombie likes all this away time from, like, you know how the household is busy, so mm -hmm. to say. Zombie is quite happy being away from that situation and he comes out when he wants to come out. It's really weird, but his communication system is just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. So he'll go to the bedroom door when he's had enough and then when he wants to come back out he knows that he can tap the door and then he's automatically let out straight away mm -hmm. so by 
being forced and everything that Zombie says he wants, mm-hmm. he's actually got an amazing little life. You, we just keep him away from his big brother. And then we alternate them and, you know. But so they're quite a, close in age as well then, aren't they? Six months apart, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. very close when it comes to boys. Because how old are they both? Uh, Django's going to be three on the 15th of December. And then Zombie's two and a half. So they're still adolescents as well. They're still both babies. Exactly. So you may so find I'm... a year, 18 months time things have settled down a lot more and actually the world's an easier place you know because exactly. they are still because I'm assuming the the development stage is kind of similar to that of the Germans that we joke that they don't grow up until they're at least three yeah yeah at least yeah, exactly. <laughs> come on three hurry up now yeah. <laughs> I'm in the terrible hoping... twos right now can we hurry up to age three and up please <laughs> I'm hoping that's going to be the case because obviously working with other people who've had multi-dog household aggression, once they hit a certain age, it just dissipates and then everything's easier and they're integrated and everything's fabulous. So again, I don't see a reason for not having zombie because in another home without standing beheaded, he would potentially be euthanized, which I think is a waste of a life. Mm-hmm. And he's such honestly, he's just this really odd. He's like a little person, the way he communicates. And, like, he has to come up to you and do, like, an Eskimo kiss. He can't lick. Mm-hmm. He won't lick your face, but he'll Those do an little Eskimo nose kiss. Yeah, and he just looks deep into your eyes. And I've not had that experience with any other dogs who just mm-hmm. look. And he has to do it as soon as he greets you. So he's just amazing in his own way. Trained in, he's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things about him that are amazing, but obviously he's just a special needs boy. Mm-hmm. And he's in a home where luckily he can be raised appropriately. Mm-hmm. Sadly, the first home obviously couldn't meet his needs and, you know, whatever And the thing there, is as well, though, is that there's not enough study on neurodiversity in dogs. It's something mm-hmm. that as trainers, behaviourists, we're aware there may be something, but we can't back it with science. There isn't anything that we can go, oh, we can look at this research paper or this research paper. And the thing is, when it comes to neurodiversity, even in humans, we're still learning. We're still understanding. I mean, having a conversation with um, a friend of ours the other day, his boy um, has now gone to um, school and they're doing some tests because they think that he may be on the spectrum. But we we were laughing and joking about it. But we were saying when we were at school, like you think back and there was a kid in the class or a kid at school that was showing signs of either being high functioning or low functioning. But everyone thought it was either hilarious or just that kid was a bit weird. Or yeah. like that kid was a bit hyper because they couldn't sit down. Whereas now we can go, actually, that kid may have ADHD or that kid may be autistic. Um, you know, science is developing all the time and our understanding of how things work. I mean, the fact that we can now, you know, they've done the, the studies where they've put dogs in MRI machines and done all the tests and worked out how similar to a human brain, dog brain is. So yeah. it would make sense that there is a possibility for neurodiversity. Absolutely. There was one paper in 1970 
And I think it kind of got laughed out of the research world. Then there's another one in 2012 and it went quiet again. Mm-hmm. But Roman Gottfried and another scientist are revisiting it again. So there is hope, zombie. Mm-hmm. So even if they can produce a herbal or, um, I don't know, a hard and fast medication that mm-hmm. would make his life a little bit better yeah. than it already is, that would be absolutely fantastic. But to get the recognition for dogs would be huge to mm-hmm. stop pay for euthanasia and abuse of dogs because owners don't understand that some dogs need to live a very different life um to what you don't see the expectation is yeah absolutely and when people think of special dogs um they think dogs who need test tube feeding or they think a tripod dog or a deaf and blind dog as far as i know the dog owners i've spoken to not one of them ever consider a neurodivergent dog because mm-hmm. so many adults of a certain age still cannot accept autism or, you know, neurodivergent needs. So how the hell are we going to educate them on dogs? If they don't believe it's a thing in humans, they ain't going to yeah. believe it's a thing in dogs. Yeah. Um, and this is something that breeders also, I think, need to be aware of and explore as well. Um, accidents happen in breeding. A bitch can get frightened by fireworks, a sound, anything it can damage the puppies it does not mean that that breeder is a bad person or that they're mm. a bad breeder shit happens it's but just one of those if things. you're just getting two dogs and shoving them together to make a quick penny it's not a thing you know we should right. we should be breeding for i always say it should be for confirmation and temperament and the ability to live in the human world you know i mean going back to what you were saying at the beginning with them having dog wardens that would literally be like yeah that puppy's not good enough i'm not saying that that's the right way of doing it and obviously just getting dispatching puppies because they might not have looked quite right i don't think was the best way of doing it now we would just say okay well let's not breed from that one but back in the day actually they were trying to breed for temperament and strength and confirmation and all the rest of it and I think it's where it's gone a bit skewed now we know there are lots of breeds I mean lots of the bracky breeds it's normal to see a dog that can't breathe and you're like really like you know some of these top show dogs that have won at some of the biggest international dog shows don't have proper nostrils like yeah that's just mental to me like yeah breeder, and it sounds like you know you obviously have a good wolf dog breeder and you know and the thing is with zombie it sounds like it's just one of those things that sometimes shit happens well they stopped breeding so to me that speaks volumes for you know so was he like the last litter then yeah yeah and it impacted them a lot and they still picking all the time mm-hmm. and we're really good friends and um like they've moved now but i don't think they're planning on rebreeding you know i think it really did affect them and it really upset them and that's sad because to me they are good breeders and you know but it's being able to find good homes and and as you say yeah, yeah you know in the future they may come back to breeding but at the moment their breeding stock has produced a dog that 
I don't want to say is substandard because that sounds awful, but knowing that the dog you've produced is neurodiverse, which is not good for the breed. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm being very mindful because we we have to be kind of when we are in charge of creating life, we are playing God. You know, those dogs aren't choosing to breed. It should be that the matings are being carefully put together and all of that stuff. So it's very difficult. So carrying on in the kind of diversity and being all inclusive, because as Hooper's World instructors, we are all for the inclusivity of our handlers and our dogs. And one thing that people may not know about you is that you do use a wheelchair. Yes. Now, what is your experience as a dog trainer being a wheelchair user? (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you warn people in advance (laughs) yes it's now on my website because people not all people but a lot of people are trash and being in a wheelchair I like as a kid I didn't view the human race as an adult I tried to get better and Mm -hmm. then as soon as I got into a wheelchair I realized that the human race 90% of it is trash Mm -hmm. um because when I used to rock up to an appointment and I had my walking stick, they would cancel on me and we would have booked in five sessions or an entire block of training, not good enough to cancel me for having a walking stick. Uh, what? Yeah, literally for having <laughs> a walking stick. But how do stick. they know you hadn't just like had an injury and you needed a stick because of an injury? Like, yeah. They literally made an excuse on the spot by staring at the walking stick. And then that just absolutely crushed me. Like, yeah, was- babe, I'm not surprised. That's horrendous. Yeah. That's like, it's not a thing. No. And I was ambulatory, which means that you use a wheelchair sometimes, or sometimes you use a walking aid. Mm-hmm. And at puppy classes, I'd like, you know, I'd be in a wheelchair and people would stop coming. <laughs> they come to one class and not come back as if the wheel, you know, like I, I can't control a wheelchair and I was going to run over their puppies or something. But it also was... from, from the point of view of like socialising, having a trainer in a chair is a massive benefit to puppies. Absolutely. Massive benefit to puppies. Yeah. Yeah, and for reactive dogs, I'm less scary because I'm sat down. I'm not stood towering over them. So for reactive dogs, I'm brilliant. But, you know, it's owner's prejudices, not the dogs. Dogs don't have a problem with me. It's mm-hmm. the owners who have a problem with me, and it's mm-hmm. sad. So instead of going to a one-to-one and getting absolutely crushed, I've just thought, I'm a wheelchair user, so you can have to work with me by Zoom. And if you don't like it, don't use me go to someone else and waste your money but you know you'll end up coming back anyway because that's what happens in my area okay. um but yeah so it sounds like I've taken a very not nice attitude but I can't been- blame you though I mean you're to be honest you know I think it's absolutely freaking brilliant that you've you've kept going and you found a way to work around it using zoom and stuff because I can't imagine turning up I mean, I found it sometimes I'd turn up and literally, I used to joke that dog trainer Barbie had like appeared and 
occasionally you would get like and it tended to be the male client would be like oh god does she actually know something and then they'd watch me training with the dog and be like oh no actually she is qualified um I think it's it's still one of those things that for a lot of people I can't I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a wheelchair or be using walking aids to get round everywhere. So when you then have people using that against you, I personally find that very difficult to understand, but I have been brought up with, um, one of my cousins is autistic. Um, He lives in um, warden housing. Um, you know, he's got his own flat, but there is someone there just to make sure that he's cool and doesn't do anything crazy or ridiculous when he's not meant to be. But I haven't been around many people that use wheelchairs, but I've always just spoken to them like any other person because you're still a human. And I think, again, it may be an age thing because when we're younger, we're a bit more blasé and a bit more self-absorbed and don't really care about how things affect other people but again I think from growing up I remember in primary school we had um, a girl in a wheelchair so from a young age I was around a wheelchair user so it was kind of like oh well some people are in wheelchairs okay I I would like to think that I would not discriminate against someone training teaching me anything just because they're in a wheelchair you know if my riding instructor had turned up in a wheelchair I would have assumed that they'd had a bad fall you know and that's how they'd ended up there I wouldn't be like yeah no I I don't want you to teach me how to ride a horse now I'd be like wow okay so I've got you here to train me on my horse let's see what we can do yeah I think it it's very sad I mean it speaks volumes for how the world is and you know I think the pandemic brought out some really good stuff in people and it also showed a lot of people's true freaking colors oh yeah <laughs> um absolutely I guess from the point of view the the pandemic made us all aware of this thing called zoom um I was talking about this with Hobbs on on episode 46 um and his whole business moved on to zoom so did mine so did yours But actually for you, if you have a day where you're not physically capable of going out, you can still work and teach. And I think people are more open to training online now. And actually, you now have access to people all around the world. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, right. I've got a wolf dog. I want to train positively. Here is a positive trainer that has wolf dogs that you can meet on Zoom live from her living room like there we go that's a good plug for the business isn't it (laughs) absolutely thank you (laughs) yeah because I mean before that I was training people on Skype you know like Mm -hmm. before COVID hit I was still training people on Skype up in Scotland with Pangle dogs um wolf dogs in Cornwall and these people have put reviews on my Facebook page Mm -hmm. so they trained online didn't meet me in person we changed reactive to very active behaviors mm-hmm. and that's still not good enough for people so they didn't even see me in person and yet their dogs changed their behaviors massively to where they because could again them. I think part of the problem is tv dog training they show a lot of stuff that 
positive reinforcement training is not good telly. Mm. <laughs> it's really it's not. Boring. We always joke about this. It's not good telly. The only thing, I tell you what, the pack on Amazon Prime, um, Nick Benger was one of the trainers on it. If you haven't watched it on Amazon Prime and you're looking for something to watch over the Christmas period, watch the pack. Um, the stuff they got those dogs doing was mental, like amazing. And it was all with positive reinforcement and that was great. But it didn't get a second series. But the second there's a rubbish trainer on that yeah. we don't agree with the ethics, the community is screaming so bloody loud that they're getting the airtime just because people want to see what all the fuss is about. If we, I honestly think if we'd made as much fuss about the pack, there would be series two right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. TV sells, doesn't it? Entertainment sells. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who does one... not want to see a dog with a blue mohawk surfing? Like, that's freaking cool. That's entertainment right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's like seeing Susan Milan walk into a house and 10 minutes later, the dog's trained. That's great TV. But what people don't realise is the dog trainers who worked for him, who he sent in the 20 sessions prior to him even turning up. Mm. Um, Yeah, and and this is the thing. TV dog training is just that it's TV dog training. It's not real world. Like when you watch the cowboys riding the horses, do you know what? Horses do not whinny that much, people. Why, why do horses on telly whinny so much? It's not a thing. They don't do it. Anyone with horses, right? Every time you hear a horse whinny, you're like, that wasn't that horse. Because they don't do it. Like, exactly. the only time I've known horses be that vocal is if you've got a herd group and you've taken one away and the others are giving them a little shout and a shout back or whatever. But in general, they're pretty quiet. You know, like, you hear random barking noises and you're like, yeah, that wasn't that dog. Like there exactly. was no way that was that dog barking. That wasn't a thing at all. And again, I think when people, there is still this thing, isn't there, that because you're in a wheelchair, I actually I don't like using the word disability. Use it. But you're allowed to use it. Yeah, but I don't um, like the word. Like I so here we go. I don't like the word reactive. See, reactive to me, I, I use Dogs have big emotions. That's how I explain it. My dog's got big emotions because we all react. So Dodge has big emotions. But again, it's a language thing. Like uh, me and Hobbs were saying the other day, you know, it's a cue, not a command. Yeah. And I think that saying someone has a disability is a truth, but calling someone disabled... I feel paints a picture that it means they're incapable. Use it honestly. Disabled people are taking back the word disabled. Okay. And we want people to use it because differently abled is a comfort word for able-bodied people. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So guys, you can say disabled and it's okay and it's fine. Because language does affect how we perceive things. We know that. And... I think, you know, saying like you have a disability, do you think that people think that because of that disability, you are less capable as a dog trainer? Whereas actually your knowledge, I'm going to put it out there right now. What you know about dogs is a shit ton more than me because you've geeked out and said like straight away, you're like, oh, this paper and blah, 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 and this paper. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) Because that's what you've put your time and effort and study into. I, yeah. I just want to play croquet with my dog and have a lovely time. 
<laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't understand learning learning theory and stuff. But because you wanted to be a behaviorist, you yeah. did the work and yeah. you became a behaviorist. Exactly. And I geeked out and I still geek out on a regular basis. And I've got several subscriptions to different schools so I can keep learning every week to when you have a new interview with like Michael Shisaskio or you know Susan Cloffier I can access it and I've learned something new and it's mm -hmm. awesome and that's me I like being a geek and I'm a home person and I like being at home with my dogs I don't like going out I don't have a nightclub or anything like that and mm -hmm. the world may have gone back to normal but for me you know, COVID didn't affect me mentally because I like being at home anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I'd already yeah. been training online. So when everybody was like being reactive. <laughs> um, <laughs> when everyone exactly, had those big emotions. <laughs> yeah. And there was a meme going around on one of my little groups and it's on the Spoonies group. And it says, check on your extroverted friends because they're not okay. And I was like, yes exactly extroverted people are the ones that are not coping like for some reason they need to be out like at cafes and nightclubs or drinking and stuff and I'm like what's the first I mean, like, and the other thing was right so I'm a hugger like a hug I'm a hugger I'm sorry but it made me more aware that not all of my friends are and actually the whole elbow bump thing it's become like just as good as a hug in a way because it's like little elbow bump, right? Because Absolutely. I know, and there are some people that, yes, I will give a hug to, but I've also got friends that I know aren't comfortable with that. And I've even like, if, for example, one of my friends, Lane, doesn't like hugs. My other friend, Tasha, was training at hers the other day, a different Tasha. Um, and I was like, oh, when you see Elaine, give her a little elbow bump for me. Don't hug her. Because she didn't like, so I think in a way, it made me more aware of the introverts. Um, yeah. We coped, okay, I mean, we moved house in the middle of a pandemic, which was just crazy anyway. So we had enough to deal with <laughs> without, you know, hubby having a few weeks off work as a builder was actually a godsend to us because we got some stuff done. Um, but also with him being a builder, he was still able to go to work. So I wasn't stuck at home with him the whole time, which probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure whether we wouldn't have killed each other if we'd all been in the house all together all the time. But I think as well, it's it has made people talk more about mental health. Yeah. It's made people realise that mental health really is a thing. Um, but also it has made people more aware of different groups you know that there is neurodiversity there is body diversity you know and I think the more we keep this conversation up the better it is but I'm so glad that you've come on and said you know yes say I'm disabled that's okay because I didn't want to offend you I didn't want to be like oh yeah Tasha's disabled and you'd be like freaking rude she might just as well have said she was going to alpha roll me like do you know what I, mean? I didn't want to like upset you it's sad that people can't talk about it. that's what I think it's sad because people say differently able 
and we see that as a comfort word to people who are able-bodied like mm -hmm. if I say differently abled it means like they've got special superpowers no which I'm not gonna lie would be really cool <laughs> it would be very cool but unfortunately a wheelchair doesn't give you superpowers um like I suppose it does with dog training you can train like you've been training stood up and then you can train being seated that's kind of a superpower in itself but a lot of the disabled community find differently able defensive because disabled people can still be knobheads as much as an able-bodied person saying differently abled yeah. it means like yeah. you're magical or you're really nice you know and the terminology doesn't fit to yeah. what that person is so they're like people saying say disabled toilet say the person is disabled or yeah. ask the individual so if you say to somebody like how do you want me to talk to you like you have done yeah. like that's a better way to approach somebody yeah. who is disabled because some people may prefer differently abled but then some disabled people find it offensive mm -hmm. truly i don't give a crap anyone calling what they want being a dog trainer you get called oi so I'm, really I'm sure we've all been called worse at some point back exactly it, it doesn't offend me what i mean if i start what, referring to you as wheels like yeah, that's fine. I'll call myself wheels. Or like a cripple. I call myself a cripple as a joke because you've got to joke about it because your mental health from going from like and uh, yeah, like going from going from doing shots and and thinking that you're gonna have a career as a decoy to being in a wheelchair sucks. Yeah. And doing judo and doing competitions and traveling around the UK doing martial arts, going to a wheelchair sucks. Yes, and skydiving yeah. yeah so all the stuff i used to do and yeah i had a breakdown <laughs> um virtual dog conference to bride done i broke down in tears because mentally i was not okay mm -hmm. and i shouldn't have been speaking on the subject i was suicidal um you know trigger warning other stuff that goes mental health mm -hmm. all of that stuff because it's a grieving process so being born disabled is completely different to becoming disabled mm -hmm. because you have experienced all these wonderful things that you've been able to do with your legs and your arms mm -hmm. and then suddenly you you're can't. in this stupid chair that you hate yeah and you keep cutting your fingers on doorways and you can't do things so when owners are horrible to you and discriminate because you're disabled all they're doing is reinforcing that we feel like shit about ourselves because mm -hmm. we are in a wheelchair. And yes, I know they may not be aware of what they're doing and the impact, and they're not responsible for our mental health, but at the same time, it is a big issue. And but I, I guess that's... the other thing is as well that's come to mind is that you want people to train with you because of your knowledge and on yeah. your professional merit. Yeah. Not because they feel sorry for you because you're in a wheelchair. Exactly. Exactly. I want, I want to train dogs because I love dogs. Mm -hmm. And because I want to help dog owners and I want them to have good relationships with their dogs. Yeah. And that's it. You know, and that's why I, another reason I left the kennels was because I wanted to prevent dogs from going into rescue. Yeah. Being put into a kennel where you don't walk around like doing movies and they don't pick out these adorable dogs. They're left there. Yeah. They're left there 365 days a year. They're fed and watered, and that is their life, and it sucks. Yeah. And I wanted to help 
to prevent it. Rather than just working in rescue and be like, oh, look at me, what a badge of honour. I wanted to prevent it and be a part of the solution rather than the problem. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So let's move on to, let's talk about D, because we've spoken about these wolf dogs and the the general consensus is you don't need one. No, (laughs) you don't need a wolf dog. Don't need a wolf dog. Don't need one then. If you've got a life where you can, where you can live with one and you can set up management, then that's absolutely fine. That's great. And as long as you understand that they aren't a wolf and you understand that, you know, you're not going to be having doggy play dates and your wolf dog very much chooses which of your friends they like and which they don't like. Yeah. You know, then go for it if you can live in that lifestyle i can but not many people can and that's why they get rehomed so often because you know people do go for them for the wrong reasons yeah like game of thrones um and i know celebrities even even talked about it from game of thrones because they've adopted some of the obviously they passed away now Mm -hmm. but some of the game of thrones actors did adopt some of the wolf dogs because they were actually from a rescue center they oh, weren't wow, okay. celebrities. Yeah, they weren't acting dogs. There was like, let's go grab some wolfy dogs from a rescue centre. And that's Were exactly they Inuits, what... those dogs? Uh, there was Inuits, Mascans, and I think one was a wolf dog. And one was a Czech, right? Sure. Okay. Because yeah. one of Dodge's fr- one of Dodge's little one of Dodge's little girlfriends, she's a Tamascan. He's friends with her. She's cool. He's he's polite with her. She's polite with him. But when we're out, she wears a muzzle because she's not always comfortable around me. Okay. She's she's cool with him. He's polite with her. That's all fine. But for her, it's people. People are worrisome. Yeah. And, you know, that that's fine. And, and she's muzzle trained. She, one of the, the last one we went on, actually, it was really interesting. Massive shout out to Vicky because what she's doing with Hera is amazing. Um, Hera came from an abusive start as well so she has lots of baggage bless her Um, we were walking across farmers fields and there was like sort of a ditchy bit we had to walk down up and I think I maybe slipped coming down and I just got a little bit close to Vicky and she sort of jumped up at me and Vicky was like oh my god I'm sorry and I'm like why she was like oh I think she went to like nip at you and I was like she's wearing a muzzle like it's fine don't worry about it and I was like I think it's because I got too close to you and she was like wait don't go near my person like and that was fine that was not a problem and her and Dodge went running off around the field and it's fine they have a lovely time but I used to where I used to walk um there was a guy that had one um I'm assuming it was a Czech wolf dog. Um, he used to tell everyone it was a Timberwolf cross. Oh, my life. <laughs> First time I met it, it was stood in the woods without an owner and Munch went trotting up to it to say hi. And I was like, <gasps> oh, no. Oh, my God. And he laid down and went, hi, Stafford dog. And she went, hi, young, and how are you? And they had a lovely game. And I was like, okay, cool. No one's going to die. Marvellous. I was always very mindful of the chihuahuas just because of the size difference, apart from anything. But again, this guy had been told that it was a wolf and he had to be the alpha and all the other rubbish that we know is just rubbish. Um, Yeah, people just look up Dr. Meech and why the studies are wrong. We don't need to go on about it. Um, So let's kind of, so wolf dogs on the shelf, 
don't get one unless you really want it. If if people want to know more, they can contact you and find out yeah. good places. And if you have got one, you crazy lunatics, and you are going, oh my god, I'm a crazy lunatic. Beats Tash, she will help you. Yeah. She you spot about you are going through in in your craziness of having <laughs> this wolfiness. But anyway, so let's talk about little Diesel. Diesel doll. The little spangle awesome. of your life. Yeah, yeah. Diesel. Diesel's been a huge impact on my life. Like since he was a puppy. Uh, at the time when I got him, I was fostering a staffy. Again, I met him at two days old. And then every two weeks went round to see him because that's just mm -hmm. the way that I work. Um, yeah. And like some of the things that Brina said wasn't right. Like, oh, he's avoidant of food and he hangs back. But I got this foster staffy, and she'd been through a horrific situation, had cigarette burns on a used bait dog. Mm -hmm. All of it. Basically, I pulled it from the kennel. Yeah. Yeah. So little Diesel comes home, uh, goes for parallel walk on neutral field. She's like, oh, my God, puppy, I'm in love. Because I've already done quite a bit of rehab work with her. And this tiny puppy that fit in my hand snapped at her. And he was wow. like, get away from me. Yeah, he was not having it. And then at home, like, so after a few days, um, she'd managed to knock down a baby gate because she was too deanly. And he, like, she was having her food, but she left it because... She wasn't big on food. She was a grazer. Mm -hmm. Little and goes up to it. And then the next thing, I'll go into the kitchen and she's frozen on the spot and he's growling over this food oh, bowl. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's resource guard the dinner bowl. That's rude. Yeah. And this is an eight weeks old. It's not even wow. reached nine weeks at this point. That's um, so, <laughs> Yeah. So sorted it all out and he's absolutely fine. He's not been a problem since... To the point where, like, if he's got a piece of food in his mouth and you say diesel, he'll spit it out on the floor. Like, he's ridiculous. I think he just came from a crap situation mm -hmm. where the breeder wasn't doing their bit sort of thing. So that was that. Um, and then, again, like, so obviously he was my demo dog. He came with me everywhere. Everybody wants him. If I die, they don't want my organs. They want diesel. So <laughs> that's been said to me. That's um, that's how I don't awesome. want a kidney, I want your dog. Yeah. Do you reckon anyone will so say that about Dodge? <laughs> I love Dodge. I, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't think Zombie would approve of Dodge. <laughs> I'm not sure Django would either, to be fair. No. <laughs> I bring that. You don't need another adolescent male in your life, babe. Don't do it. It's not a thing. Um, so... Diesel was with you when before you were needing to use sticks in the chair. So he yes. was still there when you were fully able-bodied. There we go. We'll yes. state it that way. Right. So he's been yeah. on the journey of the adaptation of, oh, hang on, mum can't do the walks now and mum's changing and mum's feeling yeah. a bit sad and pissed off, understandably. So is he now a service dog and let's talk service dog because this is a bone of contention isn't it oh yes trainers oh, yes. and everything um warning this could get controversial <laughs> ha. 
So American my podcast wise, is always controversial, it's fine. <laughs> American wise, he passed as a service dog. In England, he passed as an assistance dog. And just like the wheelchair, I fought against Diesel being an assistance dog. So he was prescribed by the GP and my therapist as my assistance dog. And I was given okay. legal letters to say so. And I couldn't handle the idea of Diesel coming with me everywhere because so I didn't feel it was fair on him. So that was my own thing again. So I really, really struggled with it. Well, I understand so, that because it's he's gone from being a pet that kind of does some cool stuff to actually, buddy, you're a lifeline now. Yeah. That's and a, it was a lot of pressure. To stick on change, him. a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, and he's getting older because he's like six and he was four at the time, coming up to five. And it's like, this this is a lot to put on a little dude. And it really upset me and I didn't want to do it. And I was like, he wasn't ever meant to be an assistance dog. Um, so this idea of people going out getting puppies and saying it's an assistance or a service dog really annoys me because for me, like the assistance dog characters and I'm friends with a lot of people who work within them mm -hmm. to me puppies should be puppies first and I've got friends like locally who I've trained their puppies and they've had them like till 10 months old before they go back mm -hmm. um so we do like basic training with them and stuff um and to me they should be a puppy and have a puppy life before being taken around everywhere supermarkets shops pubs mm -hmm. I mean yeah, I get it, socialised puppies, but what point has become flooding? And it's selfish. You're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for the dog. You're doing it for your own needs. And then, sadly, these dogs become washed and rehomed because they've ruined the dog. And because the dog, as the puppy, couldn't cope with all this different stimulation, mm -hmm. wasn't getting enough sleep, wasn't getting their needs met and then as an older dog they get tossed off because they've broken them literally as a dog and it's not fair and I know a lot of people won't agree with me but to me I feel a puppy should be a puppy and they're entitled to their puppyhood the same as a human is entitled to a childhood and that's that's the thing isn't it because the thing is puppies need to develop mentally and physically you know yeah. and it kind of, I would say like 10 months is early for them to be going into training because you're like right at that peak of adolescence at that point. To yeah. me, 18 months would be a much better time to start all the serious stuff. Same was a police dog, 18 yeah. months. Yeah. yeah. This is why also I don't agree wholeheartedly with the whole puppy temperament testing because you can choose a puppy you want to be a service dog or a police dog and the police will tell you as well they wash most of the puppies that they've picked out and they'll have one out of 50. Mm -hmm. you know that's how decent this puppy temperament testing is and if the police are picking one puppy and retiring 49 mm -hmm. when they're starting to reach adulthood i mean to me that speaks volumes about temperament testing yeah so for people to go out on their own and say that they're owner training a service dog they don't have a prescription there's no need to have a service dog and they're just getting a puppy and taking it everywhere with them to me that's really unfair um, so 
the other thing we have to remember as well is that the big charities that do um, supply assistance dogs with people, you know, I'm going to use guide dogs for the blind just as an example, because that's the one that a lot of people will know of and understand. And there are loads of other charities that are doing amazing work, but they have a breeding program. And yes, some puppies are gifted to them, but they also have dogs that have been really, really good assistance dogs and they brief them the same way the police have their own breeding scheme to breed for the qualities they're looking for. And that's the, the sniffy dogs and the bitey dogs. They breed for both. So again, you see it a lot. And I mean, I don't go onto a lot of the Facebook groups because I don't have enough spoons for it. But I, the few posts I've read is people have gone out and got mixed breed dogs that are not breeds on their own, I would say would make good assistance or service dogs. But they've gone out, got a mixed breed puppy, and then it's going to be a service dog for their child. Like, exactly. sorry, what? Exactly. It, it's just, it's so sad because, like, as much as I fought against it, Diesel was from Gun Dog Working Lines, and everybody knows that Diesel did have, does have the abilities to be an assistance dog. As a puppy, there was no way of knowing that whatsoever. And I think if I'd reared any of my dogs differently growing up and have forced them to go to all these different places I go to as a human, they would not be the solid dogs that they are today. Um, and it's like Coda, because Diesel's obviously going to have to retire soon, ethically, you know. Um, Coda now, she fits perfectly into being an assistance dog and she's training to be an assistance dog and I'm still trying to get hold of the GP for a letter for her so she can train under Darwin dogs yeah um but even Darwin dogs like Briar has seen the potential encoder as uh, an assistance dog mm -hmm. and we're already owner training as an assistance dog you know but she was three years old before this decision was made and I feel it's important that you know we look at young adult dogs as assistance dogs mm -hmm. rather than these poor puppies, you know. And, and I just want to say quickly, I'm not bashing people that have service dogs and assistance dogs at all. I mean, talking to Rob the other week, we were talking about dogs that help um, PTSD sufferers yeah. and the amazing job they do, you know, of warning the person before they have um, an anxiety attack or before they have a nightmare. You know, dogs that are trained to detect if someone's diabetic and can warn someone if they're about to, you know, if their blood sugar's dropped. Dogs that are trained to, you know, help people with daily tasks. Like, you know, I'm assuming if you drop something, Diesel will pick it up and bring it to you when you're in your yeah. chair, because that's one of the things. But earlier, I was putting out the recycling. I dropped a plastic bottle. Dodge came trying behind me carrying the plastic bottle. <laughs> And this is where I think it becomes difficult and especially not so much in the UK, but I know in the States, people literally just stick a label on their dog and take it everywhere. And that's yeah. not appropriate. <laughs> no, no. And it comes back down to the real disabled people. You want to be invisible. You're in a wheelchair. You want to be invisible. And the first time I took Diesel into B&M, 
Um, and obviously he was coated up. He's done everything. He we even did the test. We didn't need to, but we did the test. Mm-hmm. Went into B and M. Sales system comes charging up like a dragon with fire breathing from the nostrils. About to say dogs aren't allowed in here. Sees a vest and then goes, "Oh, his assistant's dog lovey." I'm in full on panic attack. He's then having to do his job because I'm full on in panic attack because someone was about to be rude to me. And then my friends who work at BNM, who are also clients, went to the manager and it became this whole disciplinary thing. But it took me six months to go back into BNM because it was yeah. too much. And people should realise if a dog is vested, we don't particularly want our dogs to be assistance dogs. But the thing is, as well, if the dog is wearing a vest, it's doing a job and you exactly. interfering and interacting with that dog while it's working is affecting its job. Yeah, it should be a crime. It should be against the law, you know, because like me having a meltdown, that was the first time in the real world Diesel had to do his job. Mm-hmm. And that wouldn't have happened if that lady just kept her nose out, you know. But also if she just politely approached you and said excuse me madam dogs oh here's a service dog carry on you know you understand where she was coming from but the way in which she did it was terrifying was horrendous and the thing is as well you know gonna make an assumption here but you were in a wheelchair at the time right generally putting two and two together (laughs) I think it doesn't help that it's skeg and we have lots of people on scooters who are able-bodied, but they have their little dogs on the panels and then sneak them into the supermarkets and stuff in skeg, mm-hmm. especially during the tourist season. So maybe that didn't help. And then mm-hmm. she, maybe she had a feel that day of like people bringing dogs <laughs> in. She triggered stacks and you were the one that got, yeah. the, got the explosion. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. When the dogs are working, don't make kissy noises don't certainly don't walk over and try and bloody stroke them because that's just rude but I don't understand like I mean I get it with my own dogs even when they're wearing like in training tabards and I've deliberately put tabards on them so that people were like oh okay dogs in training wearing a tabard okay I remember Munch when she was younger we were at a big county fair and I just had her in training vest on and a couple of people were like, oh, is she trained to be a guide dog? And I was like, I would not trust this dog to show a guide person. Like, no, she would not be a good guide. She would just take them to the nearest Maccas and they wouldn't go any further. But it's people's perception, isn't it? And it must be really hard having an assistance dog and people trying to interfere while your dog is trying to work because you won't walk up to someone who's using their mobile phone and like start pressing the screen because that would be freaking weird exactly exactly and it's like we've told her because like obviously we've established I didn't get her free or anything like that but kids see her or adults are like oh is that a wolf and you're like She's working. You can see her vest says assistance dog in training, like, mm-hmm. naff off. Or when kids come up to her and, like, can we pet her? And then it's dangerous because she has to then come backwards behind the wheelchair to build distance. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, if my wheelchair malfunctioned because it's electric, it could run her over. Or yeah. if she pulled back too far, she could tip me backwards out of the wheelchair. Yeah. You know, and Jacko's pulled me out of the wheelchair before, just being a lunatic, you know, doing his happy dance to the park. So, and then if I'm on my own with my assistance dog and there's nobody around to call an ambulance... But you know, then you're I mean, potentially on the deck with a dog that doesn't know people just because someone's kid wanted to say hello. Like, yeah. this, this is one of those teaching moments, people, where you can say to your child, oh, no, you can't say hello to that doggy because that doggy's working. That doggy helps that lady. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And you would probably go past with a big smile on your face and go, thank you very much. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, because... When they're on the wheelchair, because obviously it's a double lead on the front and the back clip, if my arm's broken or crushed, I can't unclip her to do her job to go and get help. And then she's going to be in distress and crying because she knows that something's really wrong. Um, and it proves as well that adults won't always help because I took Django out on the park and um, Diesel and two border collies came up to us off a lead. We'd just literally come onto the park. Owner's like miles away. Django saying, get away from my mum, sort of thing. And he's not happy. He's going backwards and he's coming forwards and he's going backwards. And the wheelchair's tipping. And then I'm thinking, I'm going to get tipped out. And there's all those people over there. The owner didn't recall the dogs. He looked at me like I was a piece of dirt walked over to his wife on the park with his kids and laughed off. I didn't say, are you okay? I'm really sorry. But then that caused me a massive back injury and I've not been right since, mm -hmm. you know? So I don't have faith in adults to help. And yes, it was a pet dog walk, but I'm still a freaking person. And because of his dogs coming up, like in our faces and Django was like hey you're being rude he wasn't being aggressive or reactive he was like you're being rude she's panicking naff off yeah and which rightly so you know he's allowed to yeah. tell another dog to piss off if he doesn't want the dog near him you yeah, know absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, I talk about recalling your dog like frequently it's one of my little triggers um Hello, darling. I wish people could see this because there is a very gorgeous face that just appeared on the camera giving their mama lots and lots of kisses, which is hilarious. But again, like ha being in the chair, um, do you find that pe there must be some, but please tell me there are some people that try to be helpful, try to kind of accommodate you or is it literally just everyone just pretends you're not there and you just have to bash them out the way with your chair <laughs> yeah it's mostly ex-clients and friends and current clients who are really nice and supportive mm -hmm. but like you can go to the beach and people walk in front of you or tot they will talk what yeah How they will talk someone because they're in a chair yeah. Wow, shady bitches. Um, or the other thing that they tend to do is talk to me like I'm a kid. And they'll literally lean down to me. Oh, I'm going to punch your face in a minute. Wow, social distancing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they'll lean down to me in the face, talk to me like I'm a child. And I'm like, 
I have a physical disability, there. not a mental one. Like, yeah. yeah, but yeah, they'll literally lean down or they will attempt to push you out of the way in a supermarket so that they can just reach something. And it's like, it's an electric oh. chair, so you can't move it. And you're a dick. Wow. They'll try and move it or they'll lean over you. So if the chair's sideways on, they will lean over you or you'll feel your head come forward. People are vital. They need to go back to school and get taught some manners. <laughs> oh, right, I'm, I'm literally flabbergasted. Like, yeah. I don't get to use that word very often. Um, yeah. I am, I'm in shock. And do you know what? Like, I might sound like I'm laughing, but I think it's because I don't know what reactions have because it's not funny, but I understand you have to laugh because otherwise you're going to want to deck someone. Exactly. But also, like, just what the actual fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's awful. And then, like, a lady on TikTok who's very, very brave puts up videos of this with her husband and daughter reenacting what happens to situations we can get into. Mm-hmm. And then people in the comments will say, just effing stay at home. Wow. And they will literally say that. And then a deaf friend yesterday put up a TikTok about not being able to see the new James Bond film with subtitles and her and her mum was looking for somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they live in Gloucestershire. And the joke was like, oh, we're going to have to drive all the way to Glasgow, but we're not going to make it. And then someone in the comment section went, just stay at home and watch it because other people don't like your shitty subtitles. And I was like, right. (laughs) And I said, I'm hearing, and I have no issue with subtitles, and a lot more people are about inclusivity. And it's a real shame that you have to troll. You know, and it was like one o'clock in the morning. So obviously the creator wasn't going to see uh, it. So right. So the rule is, and you know what? I broke my own rule this week. Don't go on social media after nine o'clock at night because that's when the crazies come out. It was awful. I just like, who says something like that? And she saw it this morning. She liked my comment. And I just like, how is that going to affect the rest of her day now? Because I know how it makes me feel yeah. when people put unkind comments to me. Please, I mean, tell me, please tell me you do have some stories of where people have been like, please tell friends. me there are some people that have been alive for fuck's sake. I honestly, I mean, I don't go out a lot, you know, but mostly it's friends or people I know who have made a time of day for me mm-hmm. or like at the local pet shop. They all know, they've known me for years, like, mm-hmm. you know, before and after. And they'll just make jokes to me and stuff. And I'm, completely comfortable in there but mm. other people were just walking in front of you and huff and, to and be it's fair, not surprising. I mean, i'm not saying it's correct but people do that anyway even if you haven't like even if you're not in a chair like you have people just walking past you and just because people are so busy and this is yeah. no freaking excuse at all but you're so concerned about what you're doing and the task you are doing at hand that you're not always observant. I think one of the things with being a dog trainer, especially when you've done behavior modification stuff or you're working with dogs that have big emotions, you become a meerkat. You yeah. learn to scan the horizon everywhere. I spot things happening 10 minutes before everyone else has even realized it was going to happen. Yeah. 
And I wonder whether, it, because it is a hyper awareness, it is, and it's a gift and a curse all at the same time. Yeah. So then adds the extra layer of you being in a wheelchair. So your perspective is going to be different as well. Like it must yeah. make it, it must make it harder. And like, I, I can't imagine how tough it'd be. Maybe we need to do a thing where like everyone has to spend one day in a chair just to experience it, just to get a little glimmer of what it would be like. I mean, God, yeah, it it does it does have a massive impact. And as you say, because you were completely able-bodied and then due to health reasons, now you're you're not capable of yeah. walking the way you were, like that must be a really hard impact as well. But come on, you must have some stories where someone's done something really cool and helpful. Like I don't wanna lay, leave it on like it's all the bad stuff and people are all assholes because we know they are, but this is like near Christmas. So we've got like New Year's and happy spirit and all that shit. Um, <laughs> right, that's a big deep here. I mean, I do have two elderly clients who have passed clients and um, oh, they're such a sweet elderly couple and the husband drives the wife up to the beach. He parks up and waits for her because he's got really bad legs. And then she takes the dog for a walk. And in the car park, someone made a not very nice comment because I was ambulatory or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and they couldn't believe that you could kind of like hobble from the driver's seat and get your wheelchair out like, oh my God, like you can't do that. They're faking it. Um, yeah. And he made really loud comments about it. And he was saying about when he was ambulatory, you know, like, and he was in a wheelchair. And he says, isn't it horrible when people make disgusting comments? But coming from such a sweet old man, like, who you've <laughs> never heard swear or say anything <laughs> nasty. And I was just like, wow, you're like my new hero. And he is so he sweet. Had your back. He got your six. It was all yeah. good. It was all good. I've got quick questions well before we finish because yep. I'm wondering this. So obviously everyone is different, but I always feel if I am speaking to someone that's in a wheelchair, I automatically want to lower myself to their eye level just so that I can look them in the eye and chat. Now I know everyone's different, but is that like the correct thing to do? Or do I look like a bit of a knob doing it? Or would you be like, oh, bless you. Now you're going to get really sore knees because you're trying to kneel down and talk to me, you twat. <laughs> like... um, again, people don't like it. it, it uh, disabled people do find it patronising if someone bends down. Like, it, so okay. if you bump into one of the test phones, for example, and then you bend down, that's patronising and talking to us like kids. If we're in a social setting where there's a seat, by all means... Pull up a chair. So I can use an actual chair. If there's a real chair there, I'm allowed to sit down. Right, okay. But the thing is, so my perspective of that, I wouldn't be trying to be patronising. I'd just be trying to speak to you at the same level. If I, yeah, if you, if you, if you came and to up be to fair, me, we've known each other long enough that if I crouched down, you'd be like, Carrie, you can stand up. But if I was like, actually, yeah. my back's killing me looking down at you, babe. Can I come down? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, that's fine. Like. And, you know, like, if I bumped into you, I'd be absolutely fine with it, or any of my other colleagues. But, you know, when it's a stranger, yeah, that's kind of different. And, then, like, 
the lean down. I understand that because yeah, actually, if you're like talking to a child, you do lower yourself to the child's level so that they're understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So from from the perspective, I do think that's one of those that it may not necessarily be meant as patronizing because I wouldn't have thought that I was being patronizing. I would have just been yeah. like, well, I was trying to just chat to them like on the same level. Um, but I can understand how it would be. So yeah, and again, you know, guys, if you if you are talking to someone that is different from you, ask them. Yeah. It's the best thing that you can do asking because like me, I'll avoid a situation. So if I'm not happy with something, I'll just crack, like b and I'll crack on, do what I need to do, and then I'll talk to somebody about it afterwards, a few days later. But some people in, the table, in wheelchairs are really loud, and they will put their opinion across very loudly. So the best thing to do to enable somebody like me who's an introvert is to ask them, and ask a loud person, and just say to them, like, you know, I want to make you feel as comfortable as possible. What's the best thing that I can do? Yeah. And if they're still rude to you, then walk away because they're just not worth your time today and it's still a horrible person, you know, because a wheelchair doesn't make you a nice person. Okay, that, <laughs> that's really the thing. Doesn't... This is an official public service announcement, people. It can't, yeah. I've seen some wheelchair people be awful to able-bodied people mm-hmm. and it's just like, there was no need for that whatsoever. It's, like, it's one know, of those, though, is just human nature unfortunately there are some really sucky people in the world some people are just puppy heads yeah but most people will they will just say to you just ask me whatever you're comfortable with we're fine mm-hmm. we'll work with that that that's just you know and if someone bent down to me who's like you know someone i know that's absolutely fine if you were someone bending down and then shouting at me like i was deaf then i'm a bit like <laughs> yeah and I do really make it either. clear it's uncomfortable yeah um but no 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 just like especially clients and stuff be normal with them and say what can I do to make your visit to training better or yeah. and make a point of joking around with them and find out where their line is so you can call me a cripple but you might not be able to call a client a cripple and it also would be professional. But the thing is, as well, with that, like, I mean, I wouldn't call you that anyway, because to me, that's one of those words that you just shouldn't use. You know, it was saying that it was thrown around in the 80s and you shouldn't use it now. But I wouldn't use that language with a client anyway, because that's crossing the professional boundary. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Whereas to you, like, you're a mate, you're on my podcast, you can swear if you yeah. want, it's fine. But I wouldn't, I think the word cripple does fall into the category that if you choose to use it that's okay but I shouldn't assume it's okay to use that word exactly exactly yeah we're turning into a public service announcement today we've like gone completely off the dogs and like we're now like how to not be a dick in the world this is the podcast (laughs) so let's just go back to dogs for a minute yeah and owner trained assistants dogs I get I understand I completely get what you're saying of you know they need a puppyhood before they go into work emotional support animals now (laughs) Tasha's eyes just rolled so far into the back of her head I thought she was going to fall off her chair seriously um now there are lots of pictures and this this is generally for 
the, the American listeners, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I don't see how an alligator can be an emotional <laughs> No. Are you taking no. the piss? Like, what was that on and an airline? Someone had taken their emotional support turkey. Now, I don't know a lot about birds, but I'm going to suggest that a turkey is probably not the best species to support you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. I'm attached to lots of my animals that are different species. I love each and every single one of them dearly but I'm not subjecting my tortoises my bearded dragons or my turtles or my rabbit to start going at me or my hedgehog and my hedgehog certainly wouldn't stand for it anyway so he's a miserable little dude anyway um but the <laughs> is he a bit is, spiky babe <laughs> yeah he's very very spiky I couldn't resist you said the hedgehog was moody you set me up I went for the dad joke I'm sorry <laughs> Uh, I was avoiding that. Oh, well, no, no, you have to go in. You have to go straight in with the dad jokes on this one. It's fine. Um, and yes, I understand. And we know that animals are emotionally supportive to us. It's why we have animals. It's why we have companion animals. It's why we live our lives with animals in our world. But taking that animal into the world is a very different thing. Absolutely, absolutely. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad you take your animal out of their own environment that they obviously need, like a vivarium or, you know, a shed or outdoors in the garden, wherever they live. And then you're subjecting them to, like, change of air pressure on an aeroplane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't handle an aeroplane, let alone, and how are you going to communicate to an animal? Your head is going to feel like it's exploding and you're ears are going to hurt like they've never hurt before but it's okay yeah yeah I mean how do you explain that to an animal that's to me that's not okay I have seen one of the animals I have seen use which I was kind of like actually I get that is um when they use like the miniature horses and I kind of get that because again like dogs horses have evolved with us as people and I'm not gonna lie there are times where I'd probably trust a seeing eye pony more than I'd trust a dog yeah. So I get that, but when, as you say, people start using exotics as an emotional support animal, like this is where you have to ask the question of is it fair on that animal? You know, mm-hmm. I I can always remember going to the park one day and someone was walking um a rabbit on a harness. Now, there was a situation in London recently where a pet rabbit was being walked on a harness and was taken into the dog area and the rabbit did not come back out of the dog area. Um, But when you're talking about service dogs, assistance dogs, and then assistant animals, I've never seen someone have an assistance cat. I'm just going to point that out. Never seen that. No, either. Is that because cats have claws and teeth and tell you to piss off if they're not happy with something, do you reckon? Like, I don't know. It just seems a bit crazy. I think 
The other thing is people that just stick any old thing on any old dog so that they can take them somewhere for convenience or travel them on aircraft as a convenience. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's fair and I don't think that's right. And actually it's detrimental to the people that actually do need those animals to help, help them live in the world. Yeah, time and time again, I see that someone's got a fake service dog or emotional support dog and they've attacked an actual assistant dog who's certified and registered whilst queuing for the plane. And then that person then can't go on that trip because that dog needs to go to the vets and there might be PTSD, which means mm. that dog potentially may need to be retired early. You know, that's really sad. Or, you know, dogs are dogs. So we have to remember dogs are not robots. So even if they are a certified and registered assistance dog, they are still a dog. Yeah. And if you put a rabbit in front of them, a prey drive, make a kim. Um you know, or a turkey, for example, that is going to be heavily distracting to an assistance dog. And we can't just put in front of an assistance dog any animal we like and then think, oh, well, they're proof of the situation. Mm. And then how are we going to get access to a turkey for training anyway? I mean, where do you draw the line for actual proper assistance dogs on your mm. testing abilities? Yeah. It's just stupid and it's not fair because... You know, someone like me, my dog's my lifeline. To mm. somebody with diabetes or PTSD, and their dog's been trained with scent work, that dog is their lifeline. Mm -hmm. And there is nobody on the planet who can say one person's dog's assistance dog is more important than another's. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not fair to put the dogs in that situation either. Mm -hmm. It's just not ethical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree with you. It's just interesting to kind of get it from your perspective, because obviously I have my opinion on it, but I am not somebody that needs a dog in my life, as you say, as your lifeline, you know, my dogs are my, my pets, and we just have fun and do silly things together. Um, whereas for you, going into the world, you need your dog there with you to help you yeah be able to live in the world the way kind of the world is so i'm just trying to think whether whether i've got any more questions i think we've kind of covered most of it um i mean i definitely feel that our our message of don't go out and buy a wolf dog is <laughs> is a valid one yeah. also if you are someone that thinks maybe an assistance dog could help you then, you know, there are loads of charities that will be out there and help you. If you do want to own a trainer dog, there are trainers like Tasha that will help you. Absolutely. But to just take a dog that's had minimal training and stick a vest on it and then try and take it into public, that's not okay and it's not a thing. No, it's just sad. It's just sad. And, you know, like, with some of these reactive dogs that you see and they've been videoed without consent and then put on Facebook, and you think, how many different communications of body language did that dog give before they had to react in the way that they reacted? And it's about stop being selfish. Yeah. I, I know a lot of this podcast sounds like, you know, people are horrible, but it is about stop being selfish and think about, you know, your dog. And if they will cope, I mean, a zombie won't cope as an assistance dog. Yeah. Not a chance on this planet. And you've got to be sensible and think, will my dog cope? with this or not mm -hmm. and then train properly for it instead of just saying oh yeah my dog's completely qualified 
and then your dog goes and mauls another dog. That's just not fair. Yeah, no, that that's not okay, and it's not a thing. Right, so Tash, um, the links to you will be in the show notes. You are on Facebook and also TikTok, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. YouTube where you can see like all of my wheelchair training assistance dog tasks. God, you're like everywhere. You're all over all the social. <laughs> yeah. With like a tiny following. Uh so guys, you know, get give Tash some love and support. Like, you know, let's combat the trolls and let's spread some positivity. Remember, if you see something you like, share it. Don't waste your time ranting at people that are causing mayhem. Let's spend our time and effort supporting and lifting up the people that are doing the good stuff that's what we need to do i think that should be the new year's resolution i agree uh, let's not let's not do angry late night typing on facebook let's just share loads of really cool fluffy shit yeah <laughs> just be nice just, yeah. you know someone will need it and the people don't always reach out and say i am really struggling and it's the quiet ones that you need to worry about because mm-hmm. they will put on a brave face and they will crack on and you'll say oh, i never saw it coming but all the signs were there so just be nice because you could yeah. save a life literally yeah, yeah yeah no definitely right guys so um this is the last episode of 2021 my god it's yeah. happened so new year will be happening we've got a couple more guests and then we are going to have a little season finale and the guests i've got lined up for the season finale i'm so excited about like I'm not going to tell you who it is, but this trainer is an absolute legend. And without this trainer, I would not be doing the job I am today um, because they are that epic and that important to what I'm doing with my world. That's how awesome it is. And I'm very excited. So as always, if you enjoyed the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. If you want to follow my dogs on the Insta at Minx Chihuahua at Dodge Shepherd canine hoopers world on facebook and insta we do have a little youtube channel but mine's not nearly as good as tasha's is so follow hers and until next time guys keep your dog safe over new year remember make sure they are inside and wearing collars with tags at midnight please and stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads take care guys bye For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook, like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehooperswild.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.